Welcome everyone to the Sacred Hockey Mask, where it might not be safe to run in the woods at night. Oh, they probably shouldn't do that anyway, there's a lot of weirdos and animals and all sorts of things that will kill you. But hey, this is a horror movie podcast. I am Peter, I'm joined, as always, by... Lady Shasha, Mistress of the Snark. Mistress of the Snark, I like that. Mm-hmm. Snark. Uh, but yes, welcome to the show. Uh, this is uh, yeah another review show. We've watched the movie, we're going to talk about it. It's, it's quite that simple. Uh, we're checking out one of the more buzziest films of last year uh the empty man which i had not heard about at all i just all of a sudden there was buzz on twitter talking about this empty man uh, i went in completely blind i saw the poster which is just the title basically there's no images on it so i had no idea even really what genre this was going to be like what subgenre. obviously it was going to be horror i'm not a complete idiot but <laughs> but i didn't know anything beyond that so this was a complete blind first viewing for me. Although I think you had already seen this, uh, mm-hmm. like last year or earlier this year. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I watched it last year. Yeah, so I'm interested to see how you feel in a second time viewing. Then, uh, the first thing I was saying this before we started, but the first thing that shocked me was uh, the the runtime. I I I had a, almost a mini heart attack when I saw it. it was two hours and seventeen minutes, which right away makes puts me on the back end where I'm like, you know, movie, you're going to have to justify this. You're going to have to be good enough that I'm not annoyed that you took so much time. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But before I get to my uh, thoughts, uh, the general premise, uh, there's a bit of a prologue sequence, which is actually quite long, but the general premise, once the movie gets going, is we have an ex-cop who's investigating the disappearance of his neighbor's teenage daughter, who might be involved in something cult-like, and there's also kind of a a superstitious mythology going around about the summoning of something called the Empty Man, right? Think, you know, a little Candyman, little... I, almost, I I hate to say it, but it's a little bye-bye man as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, know, I, it's, it's, you know, it's not fair to any movie to be like, hey, compare it to the bye-bye man, but there's a little bit of that there. So, yeah, that is the basic gist of it. Shasha, what did you think, or what are your general feelings on the Empty Man? I really like the opening. The opening completely subverted my expectations. I didn't expect um, the whole. Like, when I first turned on, I thought I turned on the wrong movie. To be honest, <laughs> when, when they were hiking and then they found the cave, and I was like, "Am I watching the right movie?" Because <laughs> because I did see the trailer, and in the trailer it showed the bridge scene with the teens on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. So when the movie opened with this other group of people hiking, I really thought I had clicked on the wrong movie. <laughs> But I really liked that part of the movie a lot. I was like, I wish that was the movie. So and then it opening twenty goes minutes. On from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the opening twenty minutes really solid. But then yeah, and then it so goes on from there, and it becomes a little bit more form- formulaic. What's so funny is that I, because I went in completely blind, I legitimately thought the whole movie was going to be these hikers like hiding mm-hmm. in this like a uh, little cabin in the mountains uh, when they're trapped there. Obviously, there's something freaky that happens. I, I don't want to get into... Because as much as it's the start of the movie, it also is kind of spoilery as well to get into mm-hmm. it in depth. But uh, basically, one of them... Something weird happens to one of them and they're, they're kind of stuck there in the snow during a storm in the mountains. And they're in, the, and they're not like... I don't remember what country it was. Was it was it like Malaysia or something like that? It was. It was. I didn't. I didn't write it nah, down. I didn't write it down either. But mm. uh, regardless, they're, they're in a foreign country. They're in the mountains. And I genuinely thought, oh, but, you know, this is going to be them trapped here for two hours and we're going to like have them slowly going mad or something like that. And mm-hmm. then like it very suddenly comes to a big 
end after about 20 minutes and then the title screen comes up and i even tweeted out yeah uh having your title screen appear 22 minutes into your movie yeah, I wrote it down too. is uh <laughs> some serious like big big dick energy right it's like the the, the filmmakers like look at how i'm so confident in my movie that i'm hitting you with a title this late into it um so i, I you know as what it is uh i have to say i'm pretty disappointed in the movie um i i was half expect i wasn't because i didn't know how you felt about it so i was kind of coming in here thinking oh I mean, we might actually be odds on this this might be the first one where we kind of not fight, but like have a, a proper debate over the good and the bad. But yeah, I like, I think there's like specific moments that are good, like here mm-hmm. or there. But for the most part, and this is all complete spoilers, so I can't say it until we get past spoilers what it is specifically. But this movie goes down a path that is a very specific type of subgenre that I just don't like that much, and it's full of a lot of tropes and it's full of a lot of kind of by the numbers is it, it, it's generally well better directed than something like a bye bye man and it's generally got better elements than some other really crappy horror movies so i think there's at least some skill that's went into this one but ultimately it takes two hours after that opening 20 minute sequence which is kind of separate it takes two mm-hmm. hours to tell a story that ultimately just turns into a very similar type of movie to one or two other examples that i also don't like that much so part of it might be taste but i just yeah i wasn't that into it yeah, I, I think it's execution because I like the premise of the movie and I like that it gets it. Well, I can't say that because that's a spoiler of what it gets into. <laughs> but um, I think it had a good story, but the execution was it. It didn't add anything new. It's like you've seen it a million times before. It's not interesting anymore, but you actually had an interesting concept that you took and made boring. I think I'm actually kind of the opposite. I think there's actually moments of OK direction. I mean, not, not the whole movie. There's definitely moments where it does do just the typical thing. But mm-hmm. there are some moments where I think it's well enough directed uh, to a point. Uh, I think the concept, though, is very rare a movie with the concept that this has, with where it goes by the end, mm-hmm. works for me. I'm usually just like, by the time I realize it's going down this path, I usually lose all interest. And it's just not my, my thing. There's one or two very specific exceptions that I could maybe give that are kind of similar in a way, but those specific exceptions are directed by some of the most prolific directors that have ever lived who are mm-hmm. and you know very specific in their style and have their own kind of vibe uh but most of the other examples and including movies that people like this is this is not the only movie with a, a sort of premise like this that I, I like i have disagreed with the the mass opinion on so i, I guess I'll, you'll keep that in mind to keep that little caveat in mind with everything i say i guess from this point on but um yeah i have to say i'm I'm disappointed i'm disappointed in the empty man uh there's you know there's moments where there's some dodgy cg which is a a trope well it's not even a trope it's just just a a fault of the modern horror movie with something Mm -hmm. supernatural going on and yeah yeah that's why i compared it to slender man because that one also had really bad cgi I yeah, it, obviously it's very different once it actually gets to the point of where it's going. But oh, it, yeah. it's kind yeah. of pretending it's Slender Man for a while. Is it? It's mm-hmm. pretending that it's kind of a Slender Man movie to a point, and then it kind of does its own thing. Well, it's not really its own thing. It just it pivots into another type of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I feel like we just have to go to spoilers early on this one. I, yeah, because I I, I, it's hard to. 
to have this come. Well, I will say one thing that we forgot to mention. The opening sequence for the first 20 minutes takes place in 1995, and then it jumps forward to 2015 for the duration of the movie. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, it was in the 2010 somewhere. Um, I yeah yeah that 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 happens, which is is fine. Um, and I kind of I kind of like how it loosely ties into the rest of the movie, where it does come back up again in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which you know, fair play at least conceptually. I guess I'm into that, but that, that's kind of about it, unfortunately. I mean, there's just there's so many things, and it, I'd say it's a little bit better than most of the other movies that do a lot of the things that this movie does that I hate. Right? It's a little bit better at those Slender Man-style moments than Slender Man was. It's a little bit better yeah. than yeah. the ex-cop investigation of the creepy thing that leads to, like, a like a convoluted mystery, right? It's a little bit better than other examples of that type of story, but none of it can actually overcome the, the story that it is, which is just like those other movies. And sadly, here we are <laughs> with my crushing disappointment. So... Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just give the, the warning. We're quite early on in this one, but uh, full spoilers for The Empty Man so we can actually talk about what's going on. Uh, the obvious place to start is that opening 20-minute sequence, uh, I think. you know, I'll give this movie one thing. It has two very good, very... And the word I like to use here, but t- typically if I like a scene with stabbing in it... This is really morbid. But typically if I like mm-hmm. a scene with stabbing in it, it's because it's visceral and it's mm-hmm. fast and it feels really stabby. <laughs> right? There's two scenes in this movie like that. <laughs> Uh, one of them's in the opening chunk, right, right towards the end of it. Uh, so basically, what happens in this opening section is we have these hikers. One of them falls into a, like a crevice after they've crossed the bridge, and the other guy goes down to get him because it's it's the two couples. And the other guy goes down to get him, and he gets down there, and he's staring at this kind of skeletal sculpture that's on the wall. I would say it's like almost Giger-esque, except mm-hmm. for the fact that it's not phallic. But it does remind me of like some of the things you might get yeah. in the walls in an alien movie or something like that. Um, and he's not sitting; he's like just sitting there with his legs crossed, like just catatonically, and he's, he's like mumbling whispery words and things like that. And like they don't know what's going on with them, so he picks them up. They they rope them up it through. They find this little cabin just in time for the storm that's hitting the area. And they're trapped here, and the, the the guy who's been affected, what he won't say anything, he won't do anything. Uh, he's just there, and it, this takes place over three days. Where the first day they hear whispers of something, mm-hmm. the second day, uh, the girlfriend or the wife or you know whatever the specific relation is to to the 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 guys in the catatonic state, she actually sees a figure, you know, this mysterious figure in the snow. And I actually quite like this visual. I, I thought this visual of like, the almost complete white out of the snow and the blizzard. Yeah. And just this, this you know, all black, cloaky kind of figure in the wind coming. A uh, little CG, but it was obscured enough that I was like, okay, it's got a creepy mm-hmm. kind of touch. Uh, and then on the third day, the catatonic man's like snuck out <laughs> whilst they were asleep. So they go looking for him. He's at the bridge they crossed previously. And it's like he's hypnotized or like mind like controlled his girlfriend who just pulls out a knife and starts stabbing uh the others and kills them and throws mm-hmm. them down the, the cliff and then she herself jumps off and he's left and that's when it just like you know it's like cut to black the empty man right but that that's like 22 i mean is, is, what, what's your other thoughts on this opening i really minutes? like the that the best part of the movie is the opening to me i think it started out so promising when that happened 
Um, aside from them putting the credits 22 minutes into the movie, I thought it was a really good start to a movie. I said, oh, well, this looks interesting. I wonder what's going to happen next. And then we get the whole, I, I'll let you know right now, I am not a fan of police procedurals in horror movies, except for maybe two movies, Seven and, and Saw, because it kind of made, well, in Seven, it, that was like the main thing about the movie was the police are trying to figure out why this killer is doing what he's doing. Oh, in Silence of the Lambs. But other than that, so I don't like Honestly, I, I, will, I will counter that by saying that I wouldn't consider Seven or Silence of the Lambs a horror movie. I would consider them thrillers, and that's why they work as cop movies. Uh, mm. Like, because I agree, like, for for whatever reason, it doesn't work. When, when you have a cop investigating a horror movie, mm-hmm. it's almost always just this, like, no, this doesn't work. Like, I don't, I don't, and it usually leads to the sort of twist that we get in this movie, and I don't like mm-hmm. it. I hate the twist in this they, movie. <laughs> they literally ruined the Hellraiser series by inserting these cops. I know! Like, after, why? <laughs> after, the, after the fourth Hellraiser movie, like, at least everyone that I've seen since after that point, it's all been... A detective or a journalist mm-hmm. who equally is just investigating something. It's the same thing. It's the same damn thing. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, every one of them sucked. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's bad times. Bad times. Uh, no, I agree. The opening 22 minutes is the strongest, like, portion. It's not that, I mean, I wouldn't say I love everything in the, the opening 22 minutes. There is definitely some rough edges. I, I think I can tell that the actors who were cast for this section aren't as good as the actors who come later because they knew they were only there for the small parts in the first 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Because as much as I, I prefer the, the plot in this opening 20 minutes, I, I did notice that some of the acting from uh, particularly uh, the girlfriend who kind of gets tra- put in the trance, like I thought her acting mm-hmm. was a bit ropey and felt a little bit uh, melodramatic. And I, I, I think that's one of these cases where they cast the roles that were going to fill two hours of the movie with more effort and they put more thought into who they were casting there and you know paying more money for i presume <laughs> so uh so uh, you know it's, it's not perfect but it's definitely a very interesting mystery and it's just like okay he's landed next to this supernatural thing that's infected him and he's like spreading dread and uh the, you know the, the the need to murder throughout his his loved ones and that's that's interesting and it's dark and it's and I will say this. The one thing I like about the rest of the movie from a concept thing, it's the same thing I kind of like about that. Well, I say I like, I love about Prince of Darkness and mm-hmm. uh, a few other movies, but that's the one that comes to mind is the idea that this is truly apocalyptic, that this, this idea that this thing that's spreading the empty man will actually just lead to the entire world just being, you know, screwed. Like it'll, it's, it's, it's the end of days. It's, it's that's how dire this is. There's like one brief moment in this movie where it made me feel like it might be going that direction, and it's the only time in that whole two hours that I got kind of excited. That I got kind of like, oh, oh interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where there's one particular concept that I really, really liked in this movie, but I'll I'll wait to talk about it because it doesn't pop up till towards the end of the movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hated almost everything at the end, so I'll be curious to see uh, <laughs> what it is. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it starts off promising enough, I guess. Like, you know, you're introduced to our main character, who's, who's this uh, ex-cop by the name of uh, James Badge Dale. That's a really bad name, actually. I didn't realize that was <laughs> For his name. For a cop, and his, he, has the yeah. name, he has the term badge within his name. <laughs> his middle name is Badge. Wow. It's like if you were a fireman and your middle name oh, was Oh, oh, sorry, so, sorry. I, I've I've misread this. Sorry, that's the actor's name, not the character's oh, name. Oh, wow. That <laughs> that may be funnier, funnier, actually. 
forgive me, uh, both the character and the actor are named James, so I got a little confused there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actor, the character is James uh, Lazambra. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure there's some meaning, there's some probably some like satanic meaning in that last name, just mm-hmm. because, you know, hints and Easter eggs and whatnot. But uh, we're introduced to him, and he's a bit of a loner. He's, he's, uh, he's a widower. His wife and child have died. Uh, years previously, they're very vague as to how for the longest time. It's not until very late in the movie we find out it was a car accident. But uh, we're interested in him. We're also interested in his neighbor, uh, Nora, who I recognize that actress from a couple of things as well. And she's also lost her husband uh, via a heart attack. Uh, oh. And he, we're interested in her daughter, uh, Amanda, who's actually a pretty prominent character in the film who we see very little of. We have one scene of her here with him. And she's speaking like she's joined a cult. So she's talking about a lot of hairy-fairy sort of nonsense. And then next day, uh, her mother calls him and she's, she's, she's missing. She's not there. Um, I, t- t- and to be fair to it, I did think some of this earlier stuff was okay. And I thought the way it introduced us to her character, the Nora that is, where we see her in her house on her own and we see her just sort of quietly sort of get up and go up the stairs and she's like looking for her daughter and... We don't see what she sees. So, so I mean, our, I think our assumption is maybe our dead body, uh, if anything. And it's not until afterwards where he comes over and because she's called him and he comes in and he looks around. And she's just missing. But the words the empty man made me do it are like written in blood, like in the bathroom. And it's very, obviously suspicious. So they call the police in and all the rest of it. And from there, that leads to an investigation where because the police just see it as a runaway, they're not going to bother really trying to find her. So he takes it upon himself to investigate the the case, and he goes to talk to all of her friends. Which again, this is it's a, it's a you know some of this early stuff. This isn't as anywhere nearly as long as the opening, but it is mm-hmm. kind of odd how this like there's like a flashback here when he goes to speak to one of her friends, um, and she tells him this story about their night they had on this bridge, right? And this again felt like a big like it's probably like ten minutes long. I mean, it's it's. Mm-hmm. Which may not may not sound like a lot, but in the context of a movie, to have one ten minute scene is quite a lot. That's, that's that's a lot of your real estate being taken up by this one scene. Um, and they tell us the legend of the empty man, which, admittedly, I think by the end of the movie, this is mostly bullshit. Like most mm-hmm. of this isn't actually that true because of what they're actually doing. But uh, Amanda convinces them that if they pick up a bottle, if they find an empty bottle on a bridge. And if they blow into it, while well, thinking about the empty man, and this was—I'm not going to lie, this was my first red flag. I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know about this. This, this sounds very bye bye man esque." Don't get me wrong, Candyman got away with it, right? Candyman did get away with it, but everything that's mm-hmm. tried to do this gimmick since has not worked. <laughs> and I think Candyman got away with it because it's really just a callback to Bloody Mary. Yes. And so many people have played that game as children or have been afraid of Bloody Mary. Um, there was even a situation I told it recently in um, one of my Friday the 13th reviews because I was making fun of the fact that a lot of times in Friday the 13th movies, it's warm enough to swim, but cold enough to wear sweaters, apparently. And in one of the Friday the 13th movies, everyone is wearing sweaters and overcoats. And, and I recall that in Connecticut, we do have winter camp. I say that because um, I'm coming back around to the story. I know you're like, where is she going with this? I'm <laughs> this very, my, I, I'm curious. <laughs> this is my ADHD mind. So my sister went to a winter camp and one of the kids there did play Bloody Mary in the bathroom. It came out with scratches all over her face crying. 
So that might be real. I don't know. <laughs> but there's something that that worldwide is has that creepy story. Even in Japan, there is a Bloody Mary type character. So there's something in the social subconscious that makes you maybe it's just mirrors in general. Maybe mirrors are creepy to us on a subconscious level. And maybe this doesn't work because they didn't use a mirror. Maybe I I don't know. It's just, it's one of these things well, where the Prince of Darkness used a mirror. <laughs> Wait, what used a mirror? Prince of Darkness, which you just which you just like the scariest part of Prince of Darkness. Well, yeah, but the mirror. <laughs> well, yeah, but the, the mirror wasn't used to to call a boogeyman. No, it wasn't a no. say a name. And a, you know, a mirror was used as a mechanical device, but it was used in a mm-hmm. very different way in a very different context. Uh. But this, all all of these details just felt very random, and I, 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 the bridge was cool because obviously they crossed the bridge in the opening sequence. So I was thinking, oh, okay, this connects it to that you know, spiritually. Mm-hmm. So the bridge must be an important element to this. But when it was just blown to any empty bottle that's been left lying, like, but th- this thing's meant to be hundreds, if not thousands, of years old. Like glass bottles only go back so far, right? Like, like, well, th- this yeah. thing's meant to be. It basically eternal, right? The, 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 where, where this thing comes from. So, what what happened when it was caveman times? When, when there was no glass bottles, and and actually, to come to think of it, there was no belt bridges either. Now, now I'm truly thinking about this. So, I don't know. Some of this just felt a little bit like, okay, I don't know. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but whatever. The scene's okay. Uh, the kids get a little bit creeped out a bit too easily because they hear a noise at the other end of the bridge, but. I am a bit of a sucker for shots where it looks down like a long hallway or or uh, mm-hmm. bridge, and it just goes into darkness, and you can't really see what's coming. That that works. I, I mean, it doesn't always work for me, but I, I tend to be easy enough to please with a a shot like that. But uh, when when the when we come back to obviously uh, present day, the detective goes around and tries to find these other kids that were all there, and he can't find them. And then when he can't find them. And the parents are all clearly worried about where they are. He goes to the bridge and ends up finding all of the kids, barring Amanda, and the one that he already talked to, hanging underneath the bridge, uh, which obviously leads to the police coming in and, and all the rest of it. And on the same night, the girl he spoke to uh, is at the sauna on her own, because uh, I, I, sure. Uh, and stabs her own eye out with uh, a pair of scissors. Like, she just stabs herself in the face repeatedly. Again, not bad scene. Now, she, she's, from her perspective, we see the empty man, if you want to call him that, the, the, you know, the, the cloaked figure. Uh, but in reality, she's just stabbing herself in the face. Uh, thoughts on any of this stuff? <laughs> like, <laughs> I... I don't even know what to say about it. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it either. It was just mad. That's the, the term I would use. Is it happened. Stuff that happened. It was just okay. I think I, I appreciate the bridge scene being at least a big, solid chunk, and I appreciate the visceral stabbing. I can say I like a good visceral stabbing, mm-hmm. so I like that scene on its own. I think, in hindsight, this section of the film benefits because I, I'm still expecting to like see why everyone loves it, right? Because it got a lot of buzz, so I'm like, okay, this is not. I mean, there's some things that I don't love about it so far, but it hadn't got silly convoluted yet which it was going to um there's you know to, to, to define a moment where i groaned right because after this point he starts investigating more thoroughly and there's been like several references to this like uh institute of something i can't remember the name of it but 
basically the cult, right? The cult that all these mm-hmm. kids, or at least Amanda, was going to. And he goes to investigate that, and he hears a bunch of creepy mumbo jumbo, and they're all like, ah, you know, all, all of our consciousness comes from the same place, and it's the nothingness, and yet there has to be an empty man, and blah, 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 and they're all going on. The moment in the movie, though, right, which is, this is jumping ahead a bit, because a lot of this really blurs together in my head, this section, mm-hmm. when he's doing all the investigation, because honestly, it's not that interesting. And Now, the only thing that stands out is that he mentioned at least three or four times that he's from San Francisco. Yeah, that felt really intentional <laughs> as well. Is it, 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 you know it's like, actually, it's like, um, it's uh, Agent Coulson and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you ever watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the, the show that kind of spun out of the Marvel mm-hmm. movies, is that for the entire first season, he keeps saying the sentence, Tahiti's a hell of a place, or, or it's a wonderful place, or it's a magical place, mm-hmm. sorry. Tahiti's a magical place. Because the big question is, is, how did he come Because he died in the Avengers, so how did he come back? And all season, he keeps saying that, and it t- ends up being like, connected to how he came back, and it's kind of like a thing. So after he says, you know, I grew up in San Francisco for the third time, and it's like, why do you keep saying that? You keep saying that when it's not really... Like, someone says, oh, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. You don't have to tell me. I grew up in San Francisco. What, is San Francisco yeah. known for being a weird place? <laughs> <laughs> so, very, very, very odd, but the moment that got to me, though, is that eventually he, he gets his hands, this is like two-thirds or so throughout the movie, he gets his hand on a file that the cult had, and he opens the file, and it's a file on him, and they've got, like, you know, newspaper clippings of his life they've got um like various you know photographs and early, they've even got a photograph of him sitting in a chair naked that he doesn't remember happening but he's like how can they have all this mm-hmm. and that was the, this is the moment in the movie where it completely lost me and there was no going back because this was the moment where i'm like oh no like he i mean it turned out he's created by them apparently but even like, ignoring that part is like, oh no, everything that's happened in the movie up until this point is for him because they've chosen him for a special reason. And the second I had that realization, I hated everything the story was doing from that point on because I I, I do not like that that reveal. I hate that twist. I, I hate it with... And it's not that there's never been a good example of it, right? I'm not saying there's no good examples, but for the most part, I tend to really hate it. And at that point, I lost all interest because everything, every part of the investigation before this is now meaningless because all of it's just spooky shit that they've set up to set him down a path. None of it has any real meaning anymore. Like before it was like, oh, what do these clues mean? What, what does that lead to this thing or that lead to it? Now it doesn't matter. Now, because now it's all about just sending him down this rabbit hole to get to his end point. And none of it's that important, right? Just like those Hellraiser sequels, Nothing mm-hmm. means anything because it's just lots of random spooky shit. And it does start to feel like that. It feels like a lot of random set pieces. We get a teddy bear that moves. Like, oh, you saw this in another horror movie, didn't you? It has nothing to do with anything in this one, but you want a creepy moment where the teddy bear moves. So we're going to do that, just as an example. So what's your, what's your I, take on uh, all this nonsense? Well, I, I, that's the one thing that I do like about the writing was um, not just that twist but there was another twist i don't know if i'm going getting too far ahead but the the like the final twist of him not being a real person at all him being pretty much an experiment in tulpa creation i hated it in the movie i'm not necessarily against it as a concept but i'm going to say something controversial that i know a lot of people aren't going to like 
I am not a fan of Jacob's Ladder. I do not like that movie. Oh, I love Jacob's Ladder. And I, I, I don't, I don't like it. I, don't, I don't like the twist, and I don't, I don't like the. I don't want to say what it is. I don't want to spoil that movie, but I, I you know, I, I don't like that type of twist. And this to me was a very Jacob's Ladder esque kind of twist. And I, I, I don't necessarily like. I, I kind of like the idea of the cult to a point, and I, I, I kind of like the idea as well of them. Do, I just, I don't like that the movie was framed as this investigation for mm-hmm. spooky stuff to happening to then reveal all this at the end. Like the concept done in a completely different lens through a, a dif- different angle m- like might work for me it, it very well could that like every I, every, I every, every concept I, has a take that will work you yeah know. i would have loved to see them get more into the concept of total creation and and go into maybe the history of how the empty man came to be because of because the uh for if people that don't want to look it up right quick total creation is the concept that if enough people believe something intensely enough they can make that thing that they believe become a reality so if they went into the lore of the the empty man and how these people believed so much they created him that that would have been a more interesting story yeah like kids you could have used the kids spreading it make make it something they learned on the internet and they all start spreading it to each other you know on on um social media to the point where they all start believing that this this thing exists that didn't yeah, I'm not like I actually I, I kind of get get what you're saying about liking the tulpa idea. I I think the tulpa element of it is actually fine, but the like the movie just sort of tacks that on at the end like a twist, yeah. right? It, rather than it being about that, and I, I get that you kind of want someone to realize, oh, that's what I really am, kind of thing. But I just. You know, when he tries to call the neighbor who he was having an affair with, and that's why he felt guilty about his his wife and son's death, because he was too busy having sex with her on the day of her husband's funeral, which, by the way, <laughs> that flashback when you see them having sex after the funeral, and at one point they're kissing, but it's like he's got like part of like her dress like over her face, and they're kissing through the fabric. I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah, that was just weird. This is just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Whoever like, thought that that was sexy? fire them no <laughs> i mean it's just maybe being tense you know they're, 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 they're grieving they're grieving and horny this is a mix of complicated emotions that you can't quite work out i don't know the, the whole i don't know it just for, for me it just it made everything that came before it feel fairly meaningless and the problem is is that as soon as it was like they chose him so everything was being orchestrated to send him down this path it already kind of felt meaningless and there's nothing I hate more than, like, the feeling for, like, half of a movie where I realize that we're building up to a twist that's going to make a lot of what we're doing just kind of redundant. Or mm-hmm. a lot of it just feel like, oh, it was spooky for the sake of being spooky until we get to kind of the point we want to make at the end. Um, And it's a fine line to walk. Like, I, I don't have the answer to when it does work, when you have the, the, the twist that happens that does change the context of everything. I, I guess it boils down to all of a sudden everything that came before has a different meaning and that's interesting because now i'm rethink i'm rethinking about uh you know the, the sixth sense is a, obviously the, the the example that everyone goes to mm-hmm. but it, it's a good example for a reason because every single scene is affected by that movie's twist which i won't say mm-hmm. just in case but obviously most people know what it is but all of a sudden all of those scenes have a different meaning for what, what they are to that character now once you have that information so the, so the second viewing is almost better 
because you're you're going mm-hmm. through it and you're sort of reanalyzing everything on a new a new level. Uh, whereas with this, there's a moment like halfway through, I'm like, this is building up to you know another twist, and I just like I don't trust anything that's happening. And it does that thing where towards the end, he's he's going through like a sort of like dream state where he's like living like several different scenes back to back. And now there's no rules because it's just going through a different sequence. It's going through different memories and it's going through different, you know, it's all of it. And also just it just made you feel like, what was the first 20 minutes about? They didn't have any call back to that. Like I, they didn't, it would make oh. sense if, if they show, I didn't feel like it connected. Well, like, no. Was it just there just to show that the empty man was released? Was that the only purpose of that? Well, no, they did because the guy in the hospital, the, the John Doe uh, was the guy from the opening 20 minutes. And the idea is, is that the, the you know this force was dormant until he fell down there, you know, twenty something years ago, mm-hmm. and that's why this cult come and visit this this John Doe in the hospital. They come here because they, he's like the vessel that gives them all of the I don't know the satanic oogledy boogledy. But right? how did they find him? Like he was just a, did oh. they just was it a nurse that found out that he was you know taken over by the empty man and told other people to come see him like how did that get started well yeah i assume he whispered to one person and then that Mm. person infected someone else and then the ideas grew and spread and yeah they should have shown that they should have shown you know him in the hospital whispering into a nurse's ear and then you can come back to that years later and you have the nurse with all these other people that you know they they were missed it's like they put all this extra stuff in but didn't put in things that would connect the story better I mean, I don't mind part of it being a mist because I, I, I don't think this this particular element needs to be over explained. Because once you really, because once you see this guy in the hospital and you go, wait, is that him from the opening? Like, is this him the whole time? And then the way the cult are worshiping him, you're like, okay, I, I kind of, you kind of put those two pieces together. The, 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 and honestly, how he connects to the opening is fine for me. Is it's everything else? Is it's the, you know, when he finally goes back to the hospital at the very end. And the neighbor, when he phones her, doesn't know who he is anymore. And that's, you know, that's where I'm rolling my eyes a lot because I'm like, oh, I hate this. I hate this ending. And he goes in, Amanda's there, and she's like, you know, like, you know, we need a new vessel. You know, this this guy who fell down this cave so many years ago, he was the vessel. But a human being, a human body, an empty man can only, like, can have the power for so long to transmit these ideas and feelings to us. Uh because at one point they say, like, you know, all consciousness share the same sort of, like, larger consciousness. But it's not just humans' consciousness that's in there. It's other things, too. Presumably demons or spirits mm-hmm. or whatever from other realms or beyond or whatever you want to, you know, phrase it as. And she's like, so we had to make a new... So we tried something different. We tried to make one. Uh, and that's when it gets into the idea of that they made... Because the, it's like, hey, you're only three days old. Like, when we met you at the start of the movie... That was, you just came into existence. Everything before that's a, a lie. Which is a very, uh, like I say, it's a little bit Jacob's Light. It's a little bit, not, not a, obviously this wasn't a twist in the same way in this movie, but it's a little bit Matrixy. You know, your existence mm-hmm. is kind of a lie, so you kind of have this shock realisation. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I hate the ending. Like, the, the, <laughs> the, the last, like, 10 to 20 minutes, like, I was just, like, I am so out of this now. Like, I hate everything it's doing. Um, and the context of the movie is, at the very least. Uh, in, in some cases, entirely. I just don't like the concepts that much. I, I, I hate the, this was all in his head, or this was, this is all just for him for the last three days, and every, every bit of the mystery was just a, a carefully laid breadcrumb to lead him down this path. 
And so then it makes you wonder, did the kids even exist that he talked to and saw hanging on the bridge? Did any of that happen? Yeah, were real people were real people actually dying? Uh yeah. and if if they were, then okay, I mean, I guess it makes sense that they were, because I guess Amanda did that to her friends, like because she was already like into this cult and was mm-hmm. a firm believer in all of it, which is fine. But it, yeah, it just it calls into question like so many elements of it. Um, like was the neighbor aware, like of this new backstory for these past three days, and then it got erased at the end of the movie, or? Was she never actually involved with him, and he just thinks he was talking to her, and he just thinks that all this was happening? And it's not so much that that's important to to like tell us necessarily. It's just one of the 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 the, the many things that all of a sudden makes me feel like there was a lot of cheating going on throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Because you, if you have this kind of twist, you can just get away with whatever you want, right? That's that's how it feels like to me. You don't have to follow the rules. You can just do things at random. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not that they didn't have ideas because you know I know they wanted to ha- there's a big set piece in the middle of the movie where he's investigating the cabins where he gets some of the files of, of the kids and he like ends up stumbling across like the cult like like dancing or just like, there's, there's actually just kind of walking in a circle actually around mm-hmm. this big campfire um, and there's a sort of big set piece moment here where they all turn to look at him and then he backs away a step and they all take one step forward and the sound effect is like it sounds like an army like stomping mm-hmm. down a street at him and then he runs from them uh, like and it was okay I, the scene was kind of ruined for me though because they did this thing with the, the flame at one point the, the campfire did this like so it went, he got really tall and sort of went into the heavens and i'm like no so, so when it comes to horror if you show me something too fantastical like I'm, it loses all of its mystique. It loses all of its appeal. Um, it's this why I don't like CG ghosts flying mm-hmm. around. You know, for the most part, it's why I don't like other things like that. So there's just this this movie. Like I went in expecting to like it because of the buzz and the opening twenty minutes was solid. But as I went on, it kept doing more and more cliched scenes and more and more horror set pieces. And then it got to the point where it was unraveling the mystery. And the mystery, once it started to unravel, I'm like, I think I might hate where this is going. And then, would you believe it? I hated where it went. <laughs> like I said, I liked the concept, but I didn't like the execution. Like, it could have been done so much better. Was your favorite character the the guy at the cult who gave him some information? And he, like, when he first asked him about, like, have you seen Amanda here? He just sort of goes, hmm? It just sort of, like, he gets this big <laughs> over-the-top sort of grin. No, I- I think my favorite character was the girl that stabbed her eyes out with the scissors. <laughs> I, I, I kind of liked her until she died. <laughs> I mean, I liked her death. I don't know if I liked her <laughs> so much. Yeah. Uh, none, none of the kids, I think that's one of the problems, is it? Maybe if it made me like Amanda first before she went missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you never really meet her, meet her um, before her being missing. So it's hard for you to care about this person. You don't yeah. even know what... Yeah. You get you get one scene. She's kind of cryptic, and it's it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, this is one of these movies where there's going to be cryptic shit, and then I'm just going to be annoyed at what the answers are later. <laughs> like, it has that kind of vibe the second she starts talking about the mumbo jumbo, and there were still things to kind of like here or there, but like, like every time it came kept coming back round to that, I just got a little bit less interested more and more as, as you know as it, as it went down the, the rabbit hole. So. I don't know. It's a it's a rough time. I, I 
Because I wanted to like it. I really I really did. Like, I, I kept, like, giving it the benefit of the doubt, and I kept giving it more and more chances. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept doing things I hated. And it kept going. Like, and it kept going, cut, yeah. Cut. Like, I thought, I, I thought it was going to end right when he found out that he wasn't real. I was like, okay, this is the end of the movie. And then it kept going for, like, another 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> This is very true. And there's there's so much of him, like, you know, I mentioned the big campfire moment, but there's like 10 minutes of him, like, sneaking around the cabins with his flashlight, looking around mm-hmm. for things. And that's when the teddy bear head moves behind yeah. him. Uh, and then there's a whole sequence in his house when he's asleep that night where it ends with the teddy bear being left on his porch. But there's like a whole bit before that with the, with, I always said the bye bye man, where the, where the empty man, like, comes for him in his sleep and he sort of, like, wakes up and he's, he's like, freaking out and then he finds a teddy bear um there's also there's also it's one of the, the other things about movie making that can really be a problem for a lot of films is the is the progression from one plot beat to the next feeling like it like like one plot beat justifies the next one and so on and so on right you have like this momentum going through the film and one of the things that stuck out to me when i was watching this is that once he establishes like the cult a little bit he goes to the neighbor who he's having the affair with, and he's having some sweet moments with throughout the film. Like maybe they'll, or maybe they'll forgive themselves for what they've done, and they'll just be happy now, and maybe get together or whatever. Um, he goes to her, and says, "Is there anyone else here?" And she's like, "No, what's wrong?" And he starts closing all the curtains, and he's like, "Is there anything strange?" That he's like, "We are scaring me. What's going on?" And basically, he's suddenly very concerned that the cult's going to come after her, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why he thought this. But there was nothing in the previous scenes to suggest that they would target her for any reason. I don't know. <laughs> just just to add to the runtime that's already too long, I don't know. Because if he'd, um, if, if he'd found, like, let's say he found something that suggested that a lot of these previous like teenagers who were part of the cult like killed their parents or something like that. That was their final test, is they had to kill mm-hmm. their parents. Like, that would lead into him, okay, she's in danger, I have to go and save her, and I'm in love with her, and, and all these mixed emotions, but... Or even if they set it up that he thinks that she's in danger, and it turns out she's also part of the cult, and that she knew what happened to her daughter, she was just pretending. Yeah. Like, that would have been a better... I don't know, at least that would be something unexpected. It, it would have been better. I, I would have still probably just bug, you know baggaged it in with everything else I didn't like, in the mm-hmm. sense that once you start revealing everyone's in on it, the less again, there's a couple of exceptions where that's really worked in, in like classic movies, but for the most part, I I, I kind of like oh, everyone's in on it. Like, you know, like it didn't bother me in Hot Fuzz so much because it's a comedy and it's playing with the tropes and it's like poking fun at them. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, when it's like oh everyone's in on it, I usually just sort of go like, <sighs> like I I. I guess I guess what I'm saying is I don't really like movies where you can't trust like anything that it's doing unless it's done in a certain way. And I guess when I when I say a certain way, I mean like like I like David Lynch movies, right? But David Lynch, yes, okay, obviously traditional rules don't apply when you're watching his mm-hmm. stuff. But his stuff is so rich with subtext that you're trying to kind of like figure out what everything means as you're going. And you, you sort of like you you start off with that feeling right from the get-go. Um, for, for whatever reason, for for better or worse, like I really, really hate movies that are kind of pretending to be in the normal world to begin with, and then kind of slowly you realize that a lot of it can't be trusted. And 
for the most part, I'm not a fan of that feeling. And again, I'm sure there's exceptions. I'm sure there's examples that I do like, but it's uh, I, you know what? I never even thought of the Hellraiser sequel comparison, but now that you've said that, all all I can think of this movie being is a slightly better version of like Hellraiser five and six. Yeah, I was thinking Inferno in my head. I was like Hellraiser Inferno. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it's a little better. I mean, it's okay. That's maybe a bit unfair. It's it's probably a lot better because I mean that that standard is really low, but. It's a better made version of that, right? With mm-hmm. better production value and a bit more style. But fundamentally, it like <laughs> fundamentally it feels so similar mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking yeah. about was it. it that... Was it five or six that Christy came back and it was her husband? That was six, yeah. That was six, yeah. That, then I think it yeah, it definitely reminds me six even more than five. Yeah. Because oh. of how that story ended. No, because when you think about five though, five this whole thing with the the corrupt cop ended like Wait, i think there's an argument one, f- for both one of them ended with somebody thinking that they were alive when they weren't and i can't remember which one it was it's kind of both to be honest oh wow. well, then that, that's probably why i can't remember <laughs> i mean like i can't remember that well either but five definitely had a thing with the corrupt cop where mm-hmm. like by the end it was like he'd done things and like it was all like comeuppance for what he'd done or something something I, like it's really bad it's really bad and they, <laughs> they blur together because like the, the, a they're bad but also because they're they've got all these similar elements uh, after a certain point but even the last one i turned it off after 20 minutes like i was like oh great new hellraiser movie it's on netflix i turned it on and you know they show a totally different house which is not the house on ludovico street and then they show cops and i was like i'm out <laughs> I have not had the pleasure yet. I was working through them with Tim, and I think I think we're on the eighth one, one mm-hmm. when he gets back. So I'll I'll see how that goes when time comes. I assume not well, but uh, well, I, all I know is that they because I only watched the first twenty minutes. So all I can tell you is that they are sticking with the cop thing, investigating. Well, that is, the eighth one's not the last one though. The the, the, the no, most... no, I'm talking about the the last one, which was um, yeah, that's like the tenth or eleventh or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, sad days, sad, mm-hmm. sad, sad days throughout. Um, yeah, there's so much of this guy just like looking around and reading files or googling things. Oh yes, mm-hmm. we get the Google research scene where he's scanning Wikipedia and stuff. So exciting! It's the best. Thing. <laughs> I'm sick of supernatural horror movies. You know what? Like we we need to let the supernatural side of horror that has to like go away for a little bit. Like let's focus on monsters and slashers. Yes, bring back the slashers and all those things. That and you know, just killers in general. Let's, let's go back to focusing on them for a while because I am sick to death of spooky thing with the mythology that they have to research halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mix that with a slightly better version of a Hellraiser, like five or six <laughs> premise. Mm-hmm. I don't, know, I don't know what the internet's on, but this movie ain't that good. It's it's not no. it's it's not complete trash. Like there's there's enough skill, I think, in moments of direction and ideas here or there that I'm not going to completely throw it under the the shit bus. But it ain't getting a good rating from me. Uh, and I'm not sure how how you're uh, feeling about the. No, overall. I'm basically going to rate it ba- more based on 
the actual physical filmmaking because it's a good looking film. The actors are are decent. It's so cool. on a technical level, it's a it, it look everything looks as it should. But on a writing level, it's terrible. It looks yeah, it looks not bad. I I will say that the visuals tend to look, with the exception of when they're using CG, uh, mm. the visuals look pretty solid for the most part. It's you know there's the moment in the cave where there's that one beam of light like behind the actor and he's looking at the because that skeletal statue thing in the wall does look all right it doesn't look cheap it mm. looks like it blends into the scene well um there is one really weird part when they're up standing up on top of the mountain where the like the the vista looks very cg and green well not cg but it looks very green screened and mm. even though the rest of the scene looked fine it was just that one shot but i think it was intentional because later on when uh our main characters look at the campfire there's a moment where he looks up at the sky and like this low angle shot looking up looks very green screened as well. So I think it's actually an intentional thing. Like they're having, like they're being affected by the, the presence of the, the, the force of evil or whatever it is. So I think it's actually an intentional thing to look. It's meant to look kind of weird and like, oh, they're they're separate from reality now or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first time it happened, I was kind of like, oh, this looks a bit iffy. And I guess it was intentional, but it didn't change the fact that when I saw it, I went, oh. Like, it wasn't obvious it was doing, like, a, a technique. I, I just thought it looked bad. So, but other than that, though, by and large, it looks solid enough, visuals-wise. Yes, I'll agree with that. Uh, maybe, maybe a little overly edited in places. I, I, you know, there's a couple of times where the ca- it was cutting a little bit too often during conversations or the... Mm-hmm. Not, not a big deal, but I, I, I was noticing it here or there that maybe it could have done with some longer uh, uninterrupted shots and things like that, but... I am nitpicking a little bit with that. I I don't think it's like like terribly edited or anything like that. Because uh, trust me, I've seen some bad editing, and I'll happily uh, bring it up. In fact, I saw you admit on Twitter this week that you liked the first Suicide Squad movie, which is one of the worst edited films of all time. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw that in. Yeah, I I I wouldn't say it's the best movie, but I didn't hate it. Like I, a lot of people really mm-hmm. hated it. Of course, I like the new Suicide Squad way better. Oh, I haven't, I haven't watched Suicide Squad. I haven't watched the new one yet. I've, I'm looking forward oh, to check it out. I think I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, but that first one, oofed. Um, I, I mean, clearly, clearly, I think we're at the point where we don't really want to say anything else about this movie. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm trying not to yawn as I talk. <laughs> I'm thinking about a boring. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, I just wish this was better. It was so promising. I feel I feel more let down than anything. It's one thing when you watch a movie and it's bad from the beginning, you know what you're getting into. But this wasn't bad from the beginning. Yeah, I, I think there's a bit more potential to start. And I think also the buzz told me to expect mm-hmm. something at least decent. And the fact that I was kind of like trying to will that into existence, but then I just hated it the more and more. I mean, hate, I mean hate's a strong word, but I do kind of hate the way some of the plot like beats in this so yes I, I will try and rate it as fair as i can but i, I did not like the empty man uh, and i'm yeah, sorry to say same. it same and uh, i have no desire to rewatch it oh i definitely don't uh <laughs> all two hours and 17 minutes of the bloody thing all right shasha would you like to rate the film four and that's just because they they put some work into having different locations and different actors and 
the lighting looked great to me. I mean, I, the color reading, I'm, I'm basing it only solely on like technical aspects. The sound, yeah, the sound uh, is pretty good. There's so many horror, so, there's so many horror movies, special low budget ones that don't get this stuff right. So I think it's fair to, yeah. to, to, to praise that. If that, if that's the, the one thing you are, the one sort of like collection of things you can say you liked about this, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, like, cause, the, this filmmaker worked with a lot of skilled individuals to put together a good-looking movie, save for the special effects. Like, that was just... Um, they should have just done practical if they couldn't... Because oh, the thing with CGI is you you have to... Oh, I Maybe I shouldn't say that. I was going to say you have to pay to have really, really good CGI, but I don't know if that's still true because, you know, they, it's actually getting cheaper as the years progress to do no, it. No, it's... I mean, CG... The, the sad truth about CG is that it just costs more to have better CG because it just means mm -hmm. it takes more time, right? If if you want it done in a month, it depends on what. I mean, if you only have one CG shot a month, there's probably plenty of time. But let's, mm -hmm. let's say you've got a reasonable amount of CG. If you only give them a month to do it, you'll get like mediocre standard CG. If you mm -hmm. give them, you know, six months to do it, then you'll get really good looking CG in theory, right? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm generalizing a bit, but fundamentally that that's why there's certain movies from 20 years ago that have better cg than movies that come out today even though the newest marvel movie should have the most state-of-the-art best cg but they mm -hmm. actually cheapen out a little bit and not all of them do like even endgame which is obviously a really fun movie that everyone pretty much loved when it came out like some of that big final fight scene like the background is really obviously green screened and there's some really obvious just kind of dull looking cg in the background mm -hmm. uh and that's one of the most expensive, most profited films of all time. Mm -hmm. And it still has that base because it wasn't a priority. So they figured no one's going to care. And I guess enough people don't, but, um, which is a shame. But when it's done well, but when you have a James Cameron who is like spearheading it, or you have someone like even, um, uh, what's his face? Neil Blomkamp, who even mm -hmm. in a low budget setting like District 9 had really good effects yeah. and it still holds up quite well even though it's like you know 13 14 or 12 years old now so uh but yeah all right so you give it a four uh mm. i'm yeah I, I think four is kind of what i was thinking as well i i, I don't want to go much lower than that because from a technical level for certain scenes are fairly solid uh i have directions solid enough i i just kind of hate the script i hate what the movie becomes the more it goes on I just kind of hated where it went. And part of that is a taste thing, uh, I mm -hmm. would say. But, eh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm still giving it a 4 out of 10. So, there you go. That's The Empty Man. Uh, and, well, it is better than The Bye Bye Man. Not that much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I actually probably would rewatch The Bye Bye Man, but that is more of a, it's so bad <laughs> that it's kind of, it's kind of funny. There's it's also like it's also you could laugh at. It's also only ninety minutes, which is a big point in its favor. Can you hear that? That's fine. Cats interrupt the shows all the okay. time. That's fine. We we can we can we can we can keep rolling with cat inter interference. <laughs> Trust me, my audience is well accustomed to <laughs> cats getting in the way. Uh, all right, there you go. That's the empty man. Uh, disappointing. Disappointing. Um, I usually do at this point. I usually thank our Patreon producers, I think. I think that's usually what I do here. Uh, so thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. 
Uh, they are all Patreon pushes for the month. But you can support us on patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. And that $1 will get you access to a bonus episode every month. Our first bonus episode that go up already. Um, and the bonus episode each month will actually be the runner-up to the vote that goes up in the $5 tier. The winner of that vote is an episode, uh, which you all should have seen by now, I think. Yeah, Blood Red Sky was the winner of the first one. So that was an episode. And then the runner-up of that vote was Untitled Horror Story. So that was the bonus episode, which you get on Patreon or by being a YouTube member. So, um, yeah. So there's all goodies as well. There's all things at the higher tiers and all, all sorts. So go and have a look. Uh, but of course, you can support uh, the channel and everything that uh, we do uh, for completely free by hitting the like button, subscribing, commenting, dinging the bell for notifications. YouTube channels all, you know, drive all these points home because they do get helped by it. YouTube system, unfortunately, is the is the god that we all must worship and offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all hail the algorithm. Yes, all hail the algorithm. <laughs> what, what do you call it when you you give like a god a like a gift? You, it's, it's, like an offering. Yeah, well, I already said offer. There's, there's definitely another word for it. Uh, uh, a sacrifice. Yeah, a sacrifice. <laughs> That's why Tim's gone. T- T- Tim's not around because I sacrificed him to the YouTube gods. <laughs> uh, so yeah, check out check out Patreon uh, and catch uh, the Twitter uh, for all male fuzz movies is at Screams Midnight. So check out that. Shasha, feel free to promote to your uh, channel. Um, seeing that I'm on the Sacred Hockey Mask, you know I had to do one thing since this past Friday was Friday the 13th. I just reviewed all 10 of the no, first 10 was. movies of the series. No, it was not. By the time this goes out, Friday the 13th will have been like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me restate that. In case you missed it, two weeks ago, I reviewed <laughs> the whole Friday, not the whole Friday the 13th series, I misspoke, the first 10 movies of the Friday the 13th series. I will revisit the remake but i'm going to revisit that along with uh freddy versus jason in october that's so cool. check those out when you get the chance yeah um go and go do that as a link to sasha's channel in the description as there always will be on these episodes so go, go get clickety clicky clickety clickety i try to sound cool and i, I messed it up and mm-hmm. i'm embarrassed and ashamed of my words and deeds okay uh that has been the sacred hockey mask thank you very much for joining us once again um we'll be back next week with another horror film discussion and keep watching scary movies and remember if you see someone wearing the sacred mask repeat to yourself hockey season ended months ago